Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to gather ourselves together in your holy presence. We come and worship you, our great God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We worship you, God the Father, Son and Spirit. And pray that now as we hear, preach, and learn your word, that the Spirit of God would be our teacher, that the word would go into our souls, that we would love it, embrace it, receive it, seek to be doers. May we as a church, may we be strengthened by this time in the Holy Scriptures. For we ask in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so this is our 53rd message in Ephesians. So what that means is we, if it's a baseball game, you're running, we've rounded third base and we're headed for home. But between third and home, we have this amazing section which is commonly referred to as the, the spiritual warfare section of the epistle. And Paul seems, knowing that he's coming to a close, he's covered an awful lot, Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and the first part of 6. He's covered an awful lot of ground, and now it seems like he knows he's rounded third and he's headed home and he's getting ready to land the plane, mixing my metaphors all up. And, and so what does he save for the last? This is what he wants to leave us with. He wants to prepare us for the battle, for the spiritual warfare. And today we're going to look at two of the imperatives, and they are be strong and be armed. But we're going to spend most of our time on the be strong one. There are actually a number of imperatives, and I've underlined them in my text here, so I just want to go back through the passage we just read, but only read the commands. Only read the imperatives, so you get the force of how many imperatival bombs Paul is dropping on us here in this closing section. Here they are. Be strong. Put on. Take up. Stand. Take up. Take. Praying. Keep alert. Making supplication. This is full of gospel-infused, gospel-powered, gospel-fueled exhortations and commands to the people of God that all adds up to. We are the church militant. We are not yet the church at rest. You understand that? You, you feel that? You get that? We're the church at war. We don't get to lay down our arms until the last day and we're ushered into the presence of Christ. And then finally we'll be the church at rest where we may rest from all our toil and rest from all our labors and rest from all our warfare. But this is war. We're warring against the world and against the flesh and against the devil. And they're all powerful foes. So don't imagine, some of you, maybe you aren't Christians, you think maybe if I become a Christian, maybe my life gets real easy then. <laughs> no, it's probably going to get more difficult because you're signing up for some new warfare and some new battles that you never even knew about before. So again, we're looking at, let's show them Ephesians 6.10, please. And we, we're going to look at two commands, be strong, and then we'll get to another verse and it will be, be armed. First, be strong. Finally, see he's coming down home stretch. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, be strong 
Notice he piles up the terms in one verse. Strong, strength, might. Pretty obvious what, what this section's about, what Paul wants to accomplish in us. Pretty, pretty obvious. He wants us to be strong Christians. God wants us to be strong Christians. This, of course, implies that we, we could be weak Christians. There is such a thing. You can be one. We can be Pee Wee Herman Christians. We could be Mr. Bean Christians. But Paul wants us to be strong Christians. He wants us to be like Arnold Christians. He wants us to be like, I don't know, what should I mention? Power Rangers <laughs> Christians. All right? He wants us to be strong. Some of you have been around long enough, just a few of you have been around long enough to remember the old Wonder Bread commercial in which they would say, Wonder Bread builds strong bodies in 12 ways. That was their tagline. Remember that? Build strong. Paul wants to build strong bodies of Christ in I don't know how many ways. And it's be strong, but it's not just be strong. It's be strong in the Lord. It's a specific kind of strength he's after here. There are other ways you can be strong. They're fine. You work out, you're getting strong, that's fine. That, there's one way to be strong bodily. You might be strong in math, bless you, that's one way to be strong. You might be strong in cooking, bless you, bless you, that's another way to be strong. There are many ways and things you can be strong in, and most of them are probably fine and legit. But Paul's not interested in you being strong in math. He's interested in you being a very specific kind of a strong. It's strong in the Lord. He wants you to be strong in the things that are the Lord Jesus, in the things of God, in the kingdom of God, in your Christian life. He wants you to be strong. Coming down home stretch, what do I want to say to them in my closing section? Be strong. This is what he wants. He wants us to be strong Christians. It's strong in the Lord. There's no better strong than strong in the Lord. There's, there's no other kind of strong that's more important or better to have than this one. This is the best strong you can have on the planet. You're strong in the Lord. He wants you to have the best strong. Strong in the things of God. Strong in truth. Strong in the gospel. Strong in holiness. But what does this mean? You're probably getting a wrong impression already. You're probably thinking, I'm going to say... So this means you have to you know, memorize Leviticus in Hebrew and be able to quote it backwards. Then you'd be a strong Christian. Some superhuman feat. Some supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Christian. Some superman Christian flying around doing amazing things. But really what I'm going to tell you is the main thing he's after here. We're going to see it in the text. The main thing he has in mind when he says, I want you to be strong, is it's strong in the gospel strong in your attachment to Jesus Christ. It's the same thing as using the word to persevere. He wants you to keep on believing. He wants you to keep hold of Jesus Christ. He wants you to stay in the faith and don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel. He wants you to be strong as a Christian, like nothing can, wild horses can't drag me away from Jesus Christ. So you're not going to leave the faith. That's what he's after. So you're not going to get weak and deny Christ. So you're not going to start with doubts that lead to questions that lead to unbelief. No, he wants you to be strong in the things of the Lord, in your attachment to Christ, strong in the faith. 
I don't have this verse up there, but just listen, I'll read it to you. It's Colossians 1.23. And he tells them they'll be blessed. And then he says these words, if indeed you continue in the faith. That's why he wants you to be strong, so you'll continue in the faith. Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. That's what he wants. You're strong. You will not be moved away from Christ. You'll persevere. You'll keep on believing. You'll keep on repenting. You'll keep on following the Savior. That's the strong he's looking for. So strong in the gospel. And that would include, of course, you're strong in the core doctrines of the faith. You're strong in the Trinity. You're not letting go of your Trinity. You're strong in the deity of Christ. You're strong in his virgin birth. And so all the other miracles of the Bible, it stands as a heading for all of them. And you're strong in salvation that is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You're strong by Jesus' substitutionary atoning sacrifice on the cross. You're strong in his second coming. My Savior will come a second time, visibly, bodily. I'll be raised up to meet him in the air, and so I shall ever be with the Lord. And you're strong in that. You're strong in faith. You're strong in hope. You're strong in love. All the essential, all the core, all the basic things. So you see, I'm not going to try and say to you, so you know, you've got to memorize Leviticus, and then you'll be starting to get strong, and then you've got to be able to perform miracles, and then you're starting to get strong, and then you've got to whatever. That's no, not that at all. It's a very basic level. There are some higher levels of strong. Memorize Deuteronomy. That'll raise you up a little bit. But what he's after here is you're, you're so strong in your attachment to Christ that you're going to stay there. You're going to keep repenting. You're going to keep believing. You're going to keep following him. You will not be moved away. Satan seeks to devour you like a roaring lion. He wants to eat you for lunch fiery darts whizzing about your head, but you're strong and you're going to stand. They put a Glock 19 to your head and say, deny Jesus Christ or I'll pull the trigger. And you say, when you pull that trigger, I'll be in heaven. Right? I'm not going to deny Christ. So that's what this is all about. I guess you've got the point, haven't you? This is that you would be strong in Christ. Now, this is so important that I'm going to do the unthinkable. This is so important that I'm going to do something that's not good sermon procedure. If I did this every Sunday, fire me, all right? But you can endure it one Sunday. And that is, I'm just going to pile up a whole bevy. I like that word. Put that up. Would you? I just like that word bevy. I wanted to use it somewhere, and there it is. I'm going to pile up a whole bevy of scriptures about being strong in the Lord in order to demonstrate to you, in order to impress upon you how vital, how important this is. God doesn't just say it once in some obscure text. It's over and over and over. This is very important. I want, want you to see it. So take a deep breath. Here comes the bevy. First, we're going back to the Old Testament and the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. Joshua is a general of the Lord's armies. They're going to go in and take possession of Canaan. It's going to be war. And so what is said to Joshua for their physical war is here said in Ephesians to us for our spiritual war. And look at Joshua 1, 7. Only be strong and very courageous. 
being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Don't turn from the gospel. Don't turn from Jesus Christ. Don't turn from the teachings of the word of God. Don't go to the right hand or to the left. Keep your feet on that narrow path that leads to everlasting life, that you may have good success wherever you go. That's the spirit. That's what we soldiers in the Lord's army need. A couple verses later, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So be strong in Christ. Be strong. Let's go to 1 Samuel. David is king, but the Amalekites raided cities in Israel and burned them with fire and took everybody captive. And it's a time of great upset in Israel. And here's what we read, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. So they turned on David. Let's kill him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's what you and I need to be able to do, my friends. We need to be able to. We need to know where to go. We need to know how. And so there's a weak time and you're being tempted. Somebody's leading you to some doubts or whatever, but you go and strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. That's the idea here. Go back to Ephesians, but earlier in the book, in chapter 3, in one of Paul's prayers, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Wow. Paul's praying for you, the reader of Ephesians, that God would grant that to you, that you'd be strengthened with his power in your inner being. Be strong. A famous verse that I can't skip, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. You staying with me? We're midway through the bevy. Hang in there. We're half bevied. 16, 13. Be watchful. You're the watchman on the tower. Where are the fiery darts coming from? I want to see them coming. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. See, that's what this is about. Don't be led away from the hope of the gospel. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Greek word that means it basically takes the word man and turns it into a verb. Man eyes. And this is spoken to the women as well. Act like men. Be strong. Be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be strong, great verse. Or 1 John 2, 14b, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. What makes a young man strong in Christ? When the word of God abides in him, the word abides, meno, it remains he keeps on believing. He keeps his attachment to Jesus Christ. He keeps repenting. He keeps following because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. He's tempted you. 
like he tempted Eve in the garden. He's tempted you like he tempted David the day he saw Bathsheba. He's tempted you like he tempted Christ for 40 days in the wilderness. He tempted you like he tempted Peter to sift him like wheat. But you've overcome the evil one, and you're staying in Christ, and you're still believing. Stay strong. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's his strength, not mine. It's the power of the Lord and his might. And one more verse in the bevy, and then it's done. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in the heart of a believer is he brings spiritual power to stand with Christ, to keep on believing, to keep following. So be strong, my friends. Be strong, brothers and sisters in Christ. Learn to do what David did when he went and strengthened himself in the Lord. Gonna seek to help you with that. So what kinds of strength in the Lord? Well, there are lots, that could go on forever, but I'm gonna narrow it down to strong in faith, strong in hope, strong in love, and then one other thing that I'll add to it. But first, the spiritual triad, faith, hope, and love. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So we should be strong in faith, hope, and love. Strong in faith. Strong in believing God's truth. I think that's the next slide, there we go. This is the most basic, this again is the thing he's really after, that you keep believing, that you're not moved away. You believe the gospel, you believe the core doctrines of the Christian faith, and nobody's gonna stop you. Let me take you back at this point and remind you, while we're thinking about being strong in our faith, remind you of what Satan sought to do with Peter, Luke 22. And there's a typo there, look at the numbers how it ends. I think that must be 22, 31 to 32. Something went very wrong there, huh? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded or asked to have you. Imagine that. The devil went into the presence of God and said, that guy right there, I want him. His name's Peter. I'll show you what he's made of. You just let me at him. I want him. Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. What do you do when you sift wheat? You separate the wheat from the chaff. And he wants to separate you from Christ, you from faith, you from the gospel, you from the word of God. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. That's what Satan wanted to happen. I want to make his faith fail. I want him to no longer believe. I want him to turn back. I want him to do a Judas on you. But I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, so your faith is not going to fail, then strengthen your brothers so their faith doesn't fail. We want to be strengthening our brothers, strengthening our sisters so their faith doesn't fail. It's our faith. We want to be strong in faith. Again, in 1 John 2, 14, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. You're strong in your faith. You're strong in your convictions. You believe and nothing's gonna turn you away. You're overcoming the evil one. Be strong in faith. And then be strong in hope. Faith, hope, and love. What is hope? It's the hope of the gospel. What are you living for? I'm living for Christ. I'm living for eternity. I'm living for heaven. 
I'm living for the last day. I'm living for glory. I'm living for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Be strong in hope, Titus 2.13. What are you doing on the planet? What are you doing down here? Waiting. Your whole life you're waiting. What are you waiting for? For our blessed hope. That's what I'm doing down here. What's your blessed hope? It's the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what you're doing? That's what I'm doing. I'm waiting. I'm busy with some things while I'm waiting, but what I'm really doing is I'm waiting for Christ. I'm waiting for glory. I'm waiting for heaven. I'm strong in that hope. That's what I really want. I want that way more than a better job, a nicer truck, better vacation, and whatever you fill in the blanks. No, what I really want is that blessed, glorious appearing of my Savior, the Lord Jesus. I'm strong in that hope. Now I'll give you a verse that I only cited earlier, Colossians 1.23. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope, you're to be strong in hope. That means you don't get moved away from it, from the hope of the gospel, which you heard. My hope is that my sins are forgiven and I have everlasting life. My hope is that I'll hear those amazing words, well done, good and faithful servant. My hope is that I'll hear, enter into the joy of your Lord. My hope is that I'll see the glory of God in a new heavens and a new earth. What are you doing out here? I'm waiting, I'm hoping, I'm living in that hope. All other hopes disappoint. This hope, Romans 5, does not disappoint. You won't get to heaven and go, ah, is this all? No, you'll get to heaven and go, man, I had no idea. Like, why was I even interested in things down there on that earth, back there in that life? Look at this. Continue in that hope, not moved away, strong in hope. It's an anchor for your soul. Be strong in faith, be strong in hope, be strong in love. I don't even need to show you a verse on that. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. So you want to be strong in love. Love for what? There's a lot of things on this earth you could love. We have grandchildren, for goodness sakes. You love your grandchildren? Yes. Is there any greater love? Yes. It's love for God, love for his kingdom, love for his word, love for his people, love for the gospel, love for lost people, love for the people of, of Christ that are in his church. We're to be strong in our love. So you want to be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. You, you love with strength. You really love God. You really love Christ. You really love his kingdom. You really love his things. So that everything else is kind of eclipsed and not so glorious and a little bit grayed out and a little bit unexciting, and a little bit dull. I've said it too many hearts, but maybe somebody's new in this room today. They are, I met a few who are new. For you new ones, who haven't heard me say this before, what do you get when you believe on the Lord Jesus? Well, among other things, you get a new heart. What do new hearts do? They love new things. What are the new things? They love God, and the Word of God, and the things of God, and the kingdom of God, and they love those things supremely. It's about new loves. So be strong in faith and hope and love. And then I just want to throw this in because it is in our text in Ephesians. And be strong against temptation. 
You know, our passage has fiery darts going past your head. They're aiming for you, but some of them miss, thank God. But they're fiery darts of temptation. And we're to be strong against temptation. So, like, the devil can't so easily take you out. He can't so easily knock you down. You've got on the breastplate of righteousness, and your breastplate is not made out of a paper napkin. No, it's strong to fend off Satan's fiery darts of temptation. So you want to be strong. Next question then, how do we get spiritually strong? You say, all right, enough already. I want to be. How do I get there? What can make me stronger? We know how to get physically stronger. There's no mystery there. You have to pick up some weights. You have to use a machine that's got weights. You have to do some exercise. You have to tear little tears in your muscle fiber so it can rebuild and build up stronger. And you have to dial in your food and dial in your sleep. You need exercise and food and sleep if you want to get stronger, if you want to get strong. We know that. How do we get spiritually stronger? What are the lifts? What are the machines? What's the diet? What do I have to do? It's no mystery. God has actually intentionally designed things and put them in the world, put them within your grasp so that you can take them up and become strong. He intends these things to make you strong. These are his engines to develop your strength. So there's no secret, no mystery. Here's what God has built. Here's what God intends to make you spiritual strong, spiritually strong. And among the first would certainly be this. Gathered worship. It's what we're all doing right now. It's gathered worship and everything involved in it. God designed weekly gathered worship as the primary vehicle for making his people strong. Imagine you're in the first century, and so most of us can't read. And you can't have a Bible anyway, because it would be enormously expensive. But your church has one, somebody in your church, and they read it on Sundays. And Sunday's the only time you get to hear God's word and gather with God's people and have fellowship. And so you long for Sundays. Man, I get to quit working and go to church with the people of God. I get to sing the songs of Zion and pray with my brothers and sisters. We get to have fellowship. And you're so excited about that. Gathered worship. God invented this. He intends this. This is to make you strong. Here's a verse about that. Acts 2.42. It's a rightly deserved, famous verse. And they, the early believers, the 2,000 who were saved by Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's like... They were all cows. And when the apostles put out the feed, the cows came and put their noses in the trough and munched. They devoted themselves. I'm devoted to this. Other things, not so much. This I'm devoted to because this is about God and my loves and Christ and my soul and the souls of other people. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Man, I get to go be around other believers. And to the breaking of bread, we get to take communion. 
and the prayers. Maybe Pastor Stan will lead us in another one of those amazing prayers. But he won't today. He's downstairs teaching a members class. This is God's gym. These are the machines, the stations in the gym. They build you up. Commit to these and you'll grow strong. But there are other things. Let's just single out one of those things in that verse. The fellowship part. Fellowship, godly, edifying, Christian fellowship with other believers who are on the path to getting strong is one of God's great means to help you to be strong. Look at that verse again. And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship. They're devoted to fellowship. Man, I want to be with brothers and sisters. And not just to talk about you know, all the mundane things. Fine to talk about those things. Wasn't it a boring night when you somehow you never broke out of the mundane and got to the good stuff? You know what I mean? Somehow you just didn't engineer. That's why you need to think ahead. What questions am I going to ask them about their walk with Christ so we can get some good conversation going? Consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, Hebrews. But they devoted themselves to fellowship. Listen to Proverbs 27, 17. Some of you will know it. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Why am I going to church? Because life in the world made me dull all week long. I need to go get back my edge. I need to be sharpened. I need my iron to go against their iron, and we make each other stronger in Christ. This is what's supposed to be happening when we gather. You come wanting some good fellowship. The Old Testament believers knew about this. In the book of Malachi, 400 B.C., in Malachi 3.16, one of the great 3.16s of the Bible, here's what we read. Then they were, they were in a time of scarce faithfulness to Christ. They were in a time of apostasy, but there were those, there was the remnant. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Not just about Ford trucks, not just about knitting, not just about the ravens. All those things are fine to talk about. Enjoy yourself, but don't you want to talk about something better don't you also want to get to the things of our souls and the things of God? Those who feared the Lord, they figured each other out, and they got together, and they spoke with one another. And this is cool. And the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Here was this godly remnant in an apostate nation. They feared the Lord. They esteemed his name. And they found each other, and what did they do? They spoke with one another. Brother, let us follow the Lord. What can I pray for you about? How are you doing with that thing we talked about? The things of the Lord. Two New Testament passages that are famous on how fellowship helps us and strengthens us. Hebrews chapter 3, take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. See, that's what you don't want to be weakened toward. That's why you want to be strong, so that doesn't happen. So take care, lest you start getting weak, and an, and an evil heart, an unbelieving heart is welling up in you, and it's going to lead you to fall away from the living God. 
Well, what can I do to stand against it? But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today. How long is it called today? As long as you're still alive. When you're dead, you're out of today's. You're in eternity. You're in glory. As long as you have another day on God's green earth, exhort one another. Why? What's the end? What's the purpose? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How am I going to keep on believing and following Christ all the way down to my last breath? Here's one of God's great means. He put this on the planet for you to participate in it, and it will make you strong. Fellowship. Then it comes up again in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That's why you need to be strong. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. When am I supposed to do that? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Fellowship, frequent, Christ-centered fellowship, iron sharpens iron, is one of God's great means intended to make us strong. You need fellowship. May it increase and abound. And I love that he says there, let us consider how to. So usually... When we're having somebody over, we're going to meet somebody for coffee. One of you says, hey, can we meet and have coffee just to hang out? And I say, sure, let's do that. I'm thinking ahead. What can I ask to get the conversation going good? I'm considering. So it doesn't just all go about the ravens. Ravens are fine. I love the ravens. Bless them. But I don't want to just spend my whole time with you talking about ravens because then I go home on empty. And I want to go home on Christ. I'm going to go home built up by your fellowship. So i got to think about, what can I ask? How can I get the discussion going? What can I inject into the conversation? Think ahead. Consider. This is one of God's means. So one of God's means is gathered worship. And one of God's means is fellowship. And now, thirdly, one of God's means is private worship. That's when you get alone with God. God wants you to do that. He intends you to do that. That's a prime place where you are made more strong and you're kept strong so that you can say, and man, what verses should I pick for this? There are so many. So I just picked this one, Psalm 119 and verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. When did you do that? Probably in private worship. You grabbed a passage, you grabbed a verse, and you just meditated on it, and you munched on it, and you chewed on it, and you masticated it, and you swallowed it, and you got it deep into your soul, and you prayed it in, and then you rose up to be a doer of the word, and then you can say, Lord, did you see what I just did? I've stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you, including by denying Christ, by turning away from the Savior. No private worship is essential. Reading scripture. You say, I can't read. All right, listening to somebody reading scripture. Ha ha. You can't get away with, I can't read anymore, because now you can listen. It's great. Sometimes when I go in the morning in the room where my wife's reading her Bible, I've told you this before, I come up a certain hour to get more coffee. She's having her Bible reading then, and she's in there listening to it while she's reading it. 
That's like a double whammy. That's pretty cool. I've got to try that. I haven't tried that. How many of you do that? Oh, a bunch of you. Bless you. Be strong. Private worship. So gathering all that up, all this be strong stuff, here's a a passage about working out in God's gym. It's 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor in the church in Ephesus. There are great challenges. There are problems. And here's what he writes, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. Timothy, have nothing to do with. And that whole phrase is one word in the Greek that means refuse or decline. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Are there any irreverent, silly myths in our day? Yeah, how about we all evolved from the primordial ooze? Amen? Is that an irreverent, silly myth? Have nothing to do with silly myths. Rather, train yourself. The word train yourself is the gymnasium. Where it means work out in the gym. But it's in the things of God. Train yourself. Work out for godliness. So you're on the godliness treadmill, and then you're on the godliness bench press, and you're on the godliness leg press, and you're on the godliness core activities because you want to be strong in Christ. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training, that's the Greek word gym training, has the word gym in it, while going to the gym is of some value, it's not worthless, You're not a disembodied spirit. You have a body. You want it to last. You want to have energy to do good to your people and people in the world. Don't lose track of where we're going, but I I can't resist. So the great evangelist George Whitfield, have you heard of him? He died an early death because he worked himself so hard preaching and preaching and preaching to huge crowds with no microphone. And he died young. And when he was dying, he said, alas, the Lord gave me one horse to ride, and I've ridden it to death. You don't want to ride your horse to death. Bodily exercise is of some value. I go to the gym. But it's only of some value. I want that some. But godliness is a value in every way. What do you mean? As it holds promise for the present life, like bodily exercise, but it also holds promise for the life to come. I can work and work and work my body, and this would be a miracle, and I could get as big as Arnold. But that wouldn't help me one bit past the last day, would it? But godliness, spiritual exercise, is good for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So let's see our verse one more time, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And next time we'll get to the next verse where we start putting on the armor of God, the Lord willing. So let me ask, how strong are you? I'm not asking, have you memorized Leviticus and you can recite it backwards in Hebrew? I am asking, how firm, how strong is your attachment to Jesus Christ? to the word of God, to the great doctrines of the Christian faith. Are you strong? You're supposed to be strong in those things. Can wild horses drag you away? Can Satan's fiery darts destroy you and take you down? How strong are you? 
Some of you, bless you, we're glad you're here. Some of you are not believers in Christ. In order to be strong, you have to first believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. We who have, we encourage you. We would never go back, amen? So good to know him, so good to walk with him. Turn to the Lord Jesus and then don't be a Pee Wee Herman Christian. Be strong in the Lord. Father, thank you for giving us your word in this time. We pray that you would strengthen us with might in the inner man. We pray that people in this room would be saved, that they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and find in him everlasting life. And so, our Father, seal these words of the scriptures to our hearts. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.